Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Lindsay, and we are pretty much in Isaiah again today, a little bit of Kings and Chronicles uh, a lot of prophecy today. So as we kind of jump into this, guys, what is sticking out to you guys? <laughs> Sorry. I was hoping that you would say what was sticking out to you first. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Just these prophecies concerning other nations, I think, is really the main thing that we kind of took away from it as we were done reading. That it's not all about Israel in, this pas- in these passages. Yeah. I think that for me, I often growing up as a Christian was kind of told and picked up. I don't know if I came to this conclusion myself, but it was almost this question like God just cares about Israel and the whole story, like God's whole story is God and Israel and that's it. And I had these questions like, gosh, what, what about all the other nations? He's just like, what a kind of weird or kind of mean God that he goes on for thousands of years of world history and just lets these nations <laughs> flounder and do whatever they want and all these things. And kind of, t- I was told this message, we just don't know, you know, God only was working with Israel and those other nations had to wait until who knows when. Mm-hmm. And you have to, we're, you have to not read the Bible to come to that conclusion. And especially in these passages, we get these, we don't get a big peek because the story of scripture is focused on how God used this unsuspecting nation of Israel to bring about his purposes for all nations. But along the way, in these chapters, we get little, like the curtain gets pulled back and you get to see that God is what he thinks about Babylon, what he thinks about, um, what's these other nations we're talking about here? <laughs> Moab and Assyria, Syria and Philistia, nations today where we don't know. But mm-hmm. he's showing like, hey, I'm actually super involved in all these other nations. The point of scripture was not to track his involvement in detail about every nation of the world, um, but it doesn't mean he's not involved in doing things actively. So, Yeah. And that he also, um, I mean, we see a glimpse of God's heart for other nations, too. And he tells the people of Moab that to come to Judah, and you'll find hope there. Um, Yeah, I I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Going somewhere with it. It's not that it's not the first time we've seen that, and I, I think you could say, like, as we've tracked, I think, like, kind of what Lindsay's already saying. If we if we read scripture, you can see that God's working in lots of other places. I, I remember Amos nine. It was Amos nine seven, is where God's like, "Hey, like, I brought you guys out of Egypt, but I brought all these other nations out of all these other places." And so you get this fuller picture of God that's really, I guess, like in favor of and also judging nations at all times. Like he is supporting those who seek him and he's, you know, judging those who don't. And sending prophets to those nations too. Israel wasn't the only one who got Think about Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. Yep. Nahum with Assyria. Like it's. It is interesting to me, like how, if, if, if you look at faith and you just think that God's just been in favor of like one tiny little sliver of his whole created world, you're kind of missing the the bigger picture. Like we do get a very detailed description of what's going on in the lives of the people of Israel, but God is actually working in so many bigger, like 
so much of a bigger picture way than just what we read. Yeah. I think when you're reading the Bible, we've talked about this before, like way in the beginning, I think you're reading the Bible, you think you kind of forget that all of world history is still happening. Yeah. So you get a glimpse into world history right here. And it's, I think it's interesting to go and see, okay, where did the dates line up? Like, Mm -hmm. cause it's, it does other things that are going on. It's very interesting to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It all is historical. Mm -hmm. And and I think too, placing these things in, God's whole story. Yeah. The point of God making the world was not to have everything mess up. And then he's like, well, I just give up on creation. I'll just focus on Israel. Like, and we'll just work with that. And that's my, the point of God choosing Israel was not because of Israel. The point of God choosing Israel was to restore his original plan that all the nations of the earth would fill the earth as stewards of God's creation and fill it with the glory of God. That God chose Israel simply to be a microphone to declare the glory of God to all nations Mm -hmm. so that all nations would return to him. God wasn't especially obsessed with Jerusalem like, we all need to go live in Jerusalem, although it's interesting to go there. Mm-hmm. But it's it was supposed to be this, um, yeah, this microphone, because if we see where does the story go, we end in the heavenly city and all the nations are streaming before the throne of God and filling creation once again with his glory, yeah. his justice, his intentions. Yeah. God's plan doesn't fail. Yeah. And we get all these glimpses of that even we haven't even gotten there yet, but like we have Ruth, a Moabite woman. We have yeah. Esther. Um, we have Daniel and Babylon, all these people who brought God's word into the other nations. Yeah. It's God's always been about all nations. I actually, one thing I do at our weekend services here at Worship Center, because this is a podcast of Worship Center <laughs> here in Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania, we are really blessed because Lancaster is the to my understanding, it might change year upon year, but we're normally the number one county as far as numbers of refugees yeah, per, per capita. Per capita. Yeah. Um, and which I love because we get to have all the nations here and people don't kind of expect it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that obviously the benefit of that for us is we have so many nations represented at our church. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I just like makes me worship and get a little picture of where we're going is oftentimes on our worship team. And this weekend I was thinking, I always look and think, I don't know all the people on the worship team, but I know a little bit. And so I'll be like, oh my gosh, a Chilean, like this weekend, a guy from Chile is leading us in worship right now. This is what it's going to be like at the end because God's always been about all nations. And I look back and there's a guy on the guitar who's immigrated from Russia. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like we have a American. American, and we have a Chilean, and we have a Russian, and I'm just like, sometimes we have like a Nigerian, and I'm just, I'm like, this is a picture of what it will be like in heaven. That's really funny that you say that, because what's one of the things that really drew my family here to Worship Center? We visited here before I started working here, and we came to this, we've never been to a big church before, as far as like, we were just very involved in our very small churches, and that's wonderful and awesome, and we love them. We came to worship here, and I remember looking around the room and saying to my husband, Dustin, I was like, look at all the different people here. I was like, it was like this glimpse of heaven in my mind. I'm just like, wow, I've never seen so much diversity and beauty worshiping God in one room before. And when you walk out after the service, you can hear the different languages. And sometimes I go up to the people because I'm so excited. I'm like, what language are you speaking? And they'll be like, you know, whatever, Swahili. And I'm like, oh, thank you for speaking Swahili here, because it's like, 
I'm in heaven. <laughs> because what does it say at the end? That all, every tongue, tribe, and nation mm-hmm. will be be before the throne of God. So that's what heaven's going to be like. People speaking Swahili and the Bap- Chaldean languages and all the ancient languages. Because mm-hmm. he's always been wow. about every nation, not just one nation. Very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. All right, Yay, guys. God. <laughs> Yay, God. Hey, thanks so much for listening to God's Whole Story. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye. See ya. Bye. Second Kings, starting in chapter 16. The rest of the events of Ahaz's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Ahaz died, he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Hezekiah became the next king. Second Chronicles 28. The rest of the events of Ahaz's reign and everything he did from beginning to end are recorded in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. When Ahaz died, he was buried in Jerusalem, but not in the royal cemetery of the kings of Judah. Then his son Hezekiah became the next king. Isaiah 13. Isaiah, son of Amoz, received this message concerning the destruction of Babylon. Raise a signal flag on the bare hilltop. Call up an army against Babylon. Wave your hand to encourage them. As they march into the palaces of the high and mighty, I, the Lord, have dedicated these soldiers for this task. Yes, I have called mighty warriors to express my anger, and they will rejoice when I am exalted. Hear the noise on the mountains. Listen as the vast armies march. It is the noise and shouting of many nations. The Lord of Heaven's armies has called this army together. They come from distant countries from beyond the farthest horizons. They are the Lord's weapons to carry out His anger. With them He will destroy the whole land. Scream in terror, for the day of the Lord has arrived. The time for the Almighty to destroy. Every arm is paralyzed with fear. Every heart melts, and people are terrified. Pangs of anguish grip them, like those of a woman in labor. They look helplessly at one another, their faces aflame with fear. For see, the day of the Lord is coming, the terrible day of his fury and fierce anger. The land will be made desolate and all sinners destroyed with it. The heavens will black. Uh, the heavens will be black above them. The stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises and the moon will provide no light. I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud and humble the pride of the mighty. I will make people scarcer than gold, more rare than fine gold of a fear. For I will shake the heavens. The earth will move from its place when the Lord of heaven's armies displays his wrath in the day of his fierce anger. Everyone in Babylon will run about like a hunted gazelle, like sheep without a shepherd. They will try to find their own people and flee to their own land. Anyone who is captured will be cut down, run through with a sword. Their little children will be dashed to death before their eyes. Their homes will be sacked and their wives will be raped. Look, I will stir up the Medes against Babylon. They cannot be tempted by silver or bribed with gold. The attacking armies will shoot down the young men with arrows. They will have no mercy on helpless babies and will show no compassion for children. Babylon, the most glorious of kingdoms, the flower of the Chaldean pride, will be devastated like Sodom and Gomorrah when God destroys them. Babylon will never be inhabited again. It will remain empty for generation after generation. Nomads will refuse to camp there, and shepherds will not bed down their sheep. Desert animals will move into the ruined city, and the houses will be haunted by howling creatures. Owls will live among the ruins, and wild goats will go there to dance. Hyenas will howl from its fortresses, and jackals will make dens in its luxurious palaces. Babylon's days are numbered. Its time of destruction will soon arrive.
But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as his special people once again. He will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. And people from many different nations will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. The nations of the world will help the people of Israel to return, and those who come to live in the Lord's land will serve them. Those who captured Israel will themselves be captured, and Israel will rule over its enemies. In that wonderful day when the Lord gives his people rest from sorrow and fear, from slavery and chains, you will taunt the king of Babylon. You will say, the mighty man has been destroyed. Yes, your insolence is ended. For the Lord has crushed your wicked power and broken your evil rule. You struck the people with endless blows of rage and held the nations in your angry grip with unrelenting tyranny. But finally the earth is at rest and quiet. Now it can sing again. Even the trees of the forest, the cypress trees, and the cedars of Lebanon sing out this joyous song. Since you have been cut down, no one will come now to cut us down. In the place of the dead, there is excitement over your arrival. The spirits of the world leaders and mighty kings long dead stand up to see you. With one voice, they all cry out, Now you are as weak as we are. Your might and power were buried with you. The sound of the harp in your palace has ceased. Now maggots are your sheet and worms your blanket. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead down to its lowest depths. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on its prisoners? The kings of the nations lie in stately glory, each in his own tomb, but you will be thrown out of your grave like a worthless branch. Like a corpse trampled underfoot, you will be dumped into a mass grave with those killed in battle. You will descend to the pit. You will not be given a proper burial, for you have destroyed your nation and slaughtered your people. The descendants of such an evil person will never again receive honor. Kill this man's children. Let them die because of their father's sins. They must not rise and conquer the earth, filling the world with their cities. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. I myself have risen against Babylon. I will destroy its children and its children's children, says the Lord. I will make Babylon a desolate place of owls filled with swamps and marshes. I will sweep the land with the broom of destruction. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. The Lord of heaven's armies has sworn this oath. It will all happen as I have planned. It will be as I have decided. I will break the Assyrians when they are in Israel. I will trample them on my mountains. My people will no longer be their slaves, nor bow down under their heavy loads. I have a plan for the whole earth, a hand of judgment upon all the nations. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? This message came to me the year King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, you Philistines, that the rod that struck you is broken, that the king who attacked you is dead. For from the snake a more poisonous snake will be born a fiery serpent to destroy you. I will feed the poor in my pasture. The needy will lie down in peace. But as for you, I will wipe you out with famine and destroy the few who remain. Wail at the gates, weep in the cities, melt with fear, you Philistines. 
A powerful army comes like smoke from the north. Each soldier rushes forward, eager to fight. What should we tell the Philistine messengers? Tell them, the Lord has built Jerusalem. Its walls will give refuge to his oppressed people. This message came to me concerning Moab. In one night, the town of Ar will be leveled, and the city of Ker will be destroyed. Your people will go to their temple in Dibon to mourn. They will go to their sacred shrines to weep. They will wail for the fate of Nebo and Mediba, shaving their heads in sorrow and cutting off their beards. They will wear burlap as they wander the streets. From every home and public square will come the sound of wailing. The people of Heshbon and Leah will cry out. Their voices will be heard as far away as Jahaz. The bravest warriors of Moab will cry out in utter terror. They will be helpless with fear. My heart weeps for Moab. Its people flee to Zor and to Elgath Shilishia. Weeping, they climb the road to Lahuth. Their cries of distress can be heard all along the road to Hornim. Even the waters of Nimrim are dried up. The grassy banks are scorched. The tender plants are gone. Nothing green remains. The people grab their possessions and carry them across the ravine of willows. A cry of distress echoes through the land of Moab from one end to the other, from Eglam to Birilam. The stream near Dibon runs red with blood, but I am still not finished with Dibon. Lions will hunt down the survivors, both those who try to escape and those who remain behind. Send lab- lambs from Selah as tribute to the ruler of the land. Send them through the desert to the mountains of beautiful Zion. The women of Moab are left like homeless birds at the shallow crossings of the Arnon River. Help us, they cry. Defend us against our enemies. Protect us from their relentless attack. Do not betray us now that we have escaped. Let our refugees stay among you. Hide them from your enemies until terror is past. When oppression and destruction have ended and enemy raiders have disappeared, then God will establish one of David's descendants as king. He will rule with mercy and truth. He will always do what is just and be eager to do what is right. We have heard about proud Moab, about its pride and arrogance and rage, but all that boasting has disappeared. The entire land of Moab weeps. Yes, everyone in Moab mourns for the cakes of raisins from Kir Hasheth. They are all gone now. The farms of Heshbon are abandoned. The vineyards at Sibma are deserted. The rulers of the nations have broken down Moab, that beautiful grapevine. Its tendrils spread north as far as the town of Jazer, and trailed eastward into the wilderness. Its shoots reached so far west that they crossed over to the Dead Sea. So now I weep for Jazer and the vineyards of Sibma. My tears will flow from Heshbon and Elia. There are no more shouts of joy. Over your summer fruits and harvest, gone now is the gladness, gone the joy of harvest. There will be no singing in the vineyards, no more happy shouts, no treading of grapes in the wine presses. I have ended all their harvest joys. My heart's cry for Moab is like a lament on a harp. I am filled with anguish for Kir Hasheth. The people of Moab will worship at their pagan shrines, but it will do them no good. They will cry to the gods in their temples, but no one will be able to save them. The Lord has already said these things about Moab in the past. But now the Lord says, within three years, counting each day, the glory of Moab will be ended. From its great population, only a feeble few will be left alive. Hey 
Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.